The simple question at the right time can really change everything. Recently, in the recent past, I had this moment where uh, there was kind of this buildup and tension happening in my life where people were telling me very regularly that they were praying for me. And they'd come up to me and say something like, Dale, I've been praying for you regularly. Or Dale, I pray for you daily. And that's so encouraging. That should be encouraging. But at the same time, it was a little bit embarrassing because I am a fairly uh, scatterbrained person. That's my personality. And so I was realizing as people were encouraging me in this way that there was almost a disconnect and almost a frustration within me that other people were possibly praying for me more than I was praying for myself. Like that was the bottom line. There was kind of this weird thing where I was like, thank you for saying that, but I'm freaked out because I haven't prayed for myself that much, you know? And that, that, there was this weird tension and buildup. Again, this is in the past. And over time, it led to this moment where somebody asked me a very simple question. And this really, really simple question at the exact right time ended up being trajectory changing. And the question was, what are you contending for? And I was like, what am I contending for? And he explained, what are you contending for? The question behind that is, what are you praying for so consistently that you would use the word contending? Like it's almost like something that you have taken upon yourself to contend for, to continually return to and pray. And so I was asked this question, what am I contending for? And I was like, I have no idea. What a simple question. And it led me to change a habit. And the habit was to just put things on a piece of paper, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I was gonna capture everything that I said or everything that comes to mind that I wanna pray for or every time I said to somebody, I'm gonna pray for you, I would capture that. I'd put it in this system and then there was even the bottom where it's, I'm gonna pray every day for this stuff too. There's things I pray for on Mondays, once a week, and then there's things I pray for every single day, only because of a question, such a simple question. And so tonight, as we look at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, we're going to see and take away three questions from the text. And I hope that the simplest, most vague question that we're going to look through as we look through this will be trajectory changing for you. But I can't do that. Only God can do that, which is why we prayed. And so if you'll open up in scripture in your Bibles to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is where we're going to be. I've already explained slightly what it looks like to be surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. That's what that therefore is there for. And then we get to this next portion where the author of Hebrews is, is illustrating life. And the author is saying, life's like a race. And when it comes to this race, we're meant to run. And there's these different images and illustrations that have to do with this race. And the first thing that they say, the author says, just after, since we were surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, is let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us lay aside every weight. The Greek word here in, for, the, for weight is encumbrance. And in fact, there's a distinction here between weight and sin. Both seem to be weighing us down in a certain way. Weight weighs us down, but sin is entangling 
we'll just throw those in the same bucket. They're both keeping us from running the race that we were meant to run the right way. So let's just focus on weight for just a moment. What the author is saying is there are things in this life that aren't sinful. They could even be good. And they are keeping us. They're they're holding us back from running the race at the pace that we were meant to be running. And so the author is saying, hey, just throw that off. Get rid of that stuff, that weight. What are some examples of things that are not inherently sinful, but could hold us back? Here's a few that I thought of first. TV, Netflix, I guess, YouTube, whatever. Uh, Exercise, good thing. I'm not against exercise. I think it's great. But if it's, if it's taking up too much of our life, it can be a weight. It could keep us from running in the right way, although that kind of mixes two metaphors. But anyways, that's beside the point. Social media can be a weight. Relationships, organizations. For me recently, uh, it's embarrassing. I, I went on a rant at Vertical recently about busyness and how it was I was going to take it upon myself to never say I was busy again. Found myself really recently overcommitted. And uh, <laughs> I won't say busy. And uh, so I'm overcommitted and all this is going on. And, and I've realized I'm overcommitted to things outside of vertical. And what it had done was it didn't lead to sin, if I'm honest. Overcommitment has kept me from running, I believe, the way I was meant to run. I haven't been the friend I was meant to be. In fact, I've been reacting constantly. Everything I've been doing is reacting. You ever had that moment in life where you're like, I haven't chose to do anything. I'm just simply receiving and reacting. My entire schedule is based on reactions to tests. It's reactions to to other people wanting to spend time with me and all these different things. It's all a reactionary base. I'm not initiating anything. And I think that's keeping me from running the way I was meant to run. And what's worse is even recently for me, a weight I can admit is, is laziness. It's like, wait, I'm overcommitted. But then the time where I do have to work, I'm easily distracted. Which is a weird combination because I'm overcommitted. I don't have time to be distracted. That's weight for me. Recently, as I was reading this text, I'm like, what is it that's not inherently bad that's been holding me back? So the first question I have for us tonight is what's weighing us down? First was weight. Second we, thing we can look at is sin. Sin is not good. What is sin? It's missing the mark of perfection. It's, it's an image of an of a arrow and a target. Missing the mark of God's glory and perfection. That's what sin means. And there's all these different sins that entangle. They cling tightly to us. And the author's saying, throw it off. Don't throw it around your shoulder and be like, I'll just keep this one around all this time. Whatever it may be. And I just want to simplify sin really, really quickly. Sin for most of us is our desires and appetite intersecting with an opportunity. Desires intersecting with an opportunity to act on those desires. And so whenever those meet, we sin. And so when the author is saying, hey, throw aside that jealousy that you have continued to let 
stay within you. Throw, when it comes to throwing aside that sin that you continue to turn to each and every day, whether it be uh, self-harm or whether it be uh, people-pleasing, whether it be pornography, you know, there's, there's two ways that we throw off the sin. One is we have to change our desires and our appetite. And the only way we can change desire and appetite is by spending time with the God of the universe. Only he can transform and renew our minds and our hearts so that we don't, we don't have the intersection. When opportunity arises, we run. And then there's also opportunity. If we want to get rid of sin, some of us need to understand alcoholics are usually encouraged not to go back to a bar. They know not to have beer in the fridge. And I'm not just picking on alcoholics. I'm taking that and I want us to realize that some of us have sin that so easily entangles, it clings so closely, and we just have it like in our fridge or at our bedside table or it's in our bathroom in one of the drawers. Easy access. We have easy access and authors saying no. Because of this Christian life, we're meant to be running a race and you're meant to get everything off of you that's going to keep you from running the way you were meant to run, spiritually speaking. So what is weighing us down? What's weighing me down? We know runners don't wear clothes. I'm not going to make a statement on yoga pants or anything. I'm just saying, like, runners don't wear clothes. Why? Because they want to run as fast as they can. They don't want anything to get in the way. And so my first question, I really simply is what is weighing me down? Because at the end of the day, the, we honestly should keep things as light as possible because this race of life is hard enough. The second thing we see after the author says, throw off weight and sin, the author says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So this is a simple question and and. It's this, how am I running? How am I running? Some of us are used to just sprinting every summer. We go to camp and we're like, yes, let's run really fast spiritually and just have some, you know, spurts. We run in spurts. But this, this is saying, let us run with endurance. And so the question could be, how am I running? Am I running with endurance? Am I running at all? Am I speed walking? I don't know. The image is, uh, I don't want to overdo it too much. But that's what the author is doing is, She's saying, hey, let us run with endurance. That's the way we were meant to run. We were made to run with endurance spiritually. Because the reality is, trials and suffering, which is what the Hebrews are going through, suffering and persecution because of what they believe in, Jesus, they're saying, you're going to go through that stuff. So run with endurance. Persevere. Push through. You know what it looks like? Honestly, this morning, I opened up my Bible to 2 Samuel 3. You know what happened? Nothing that awesome. Honestly, hard for me to even try to explain it to you. It's like just a story about David. Kind of just became king, but kind of people still hate him. Kind of confusing. But we still got to open it every day. Endurance is each and every day day, no matter how it feels. 
How am I running? Second question. Along these lines of running, I have a way to illustrate this is, do you know who the fastest sprinter in the world is? Usain Bolt. Correct. Do you know who the fastest marathon runner is? No. You don't. <laughs> Unless you're a runner. Anybody? Wait, actually nobody knows it. That illustrates it even better than I expected it to. Endurance isn't always that sexy. But the rightful next question is, why should we endure? And the author, I think, answers this in verse 2 in your Bibles. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to who? Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. My third simple question is where am I looking? What's weighing me down? How am I running? And where am I looking? We must have our eyes looking to Jesus. That's where we're meant to look. You're like, why should we look to Jesus? Here's the reality of why we should look to Jesus. You can throw off weight, you can throw off sin, and you can run with endurance all the way to hell. You can behavior modify your entire life and end up in hell. You can run really, really hard and make it look like you're running this Christian life by saying and doing the right things. But if you're looking for life and not looking to Jesus, you're going to miss it. Like, that's kind of intense. Here's the reality. Where we look to is where we're going. And this is actually true in life. Where we're looking each and every day is where we're going. And here's how I prove this. I remember vividly when I was learning to drive, there was this uh, driver safety course, you know, they're teaching you how to drive. And I remember we were talking about brights and the, the teacher of the class said, when you are driving down the road and somebody is coming at you and they have their brights on, you need to train yourself not to look at the brights. That's the most common thing to do is to look at the brights. But the problem is, if you look at the brights, you'll start going towards the brights, which is the wrong side of the road, which is the car that's coming at you. And so the teacher of the class wisely said, keep your eyes on the road directly in front of you because where you look, there you will go. I don't remember much from life, but for whatever reason, I will never forget that. Whenever I see brights coming down the road, I'm like, let me keep my eyes away from it, you know? I'm trying to focus because I don't want to, I don't want to veer off. I want to look to Jesus continually. That's the, what we were meant to do. And in fact, this is illustrated again as Jesus is walking on water and the, and the waves start to get crazy and Peter, Peter comes out to walk with him. And in Matthew 14, if you want to read it later, the entire account is verses 22 through, through 33. But Peter starts walking on water out to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. 
When his eyes got off of Jesus, that's when he started to fall. That's when he, he started to doubt that Jesus could actually allow Peter, his faith, he, he could actually keep his eyes on Jesus and walk on water. Y'all, that's insane. But when he saw the wind, when his eyes got off the prize, when his eyes, when he stopped looking at Jesus, he started to fall. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Thank goodness we have somebody to look to. Our tendency is to leave and just try to fix ourselves, behavior modify, throw off stuff that easily entangles. Those are all good things. But I promise you, those things won't even last apart from the spirit. But in addition to that, I'm thankful for the times where my eyes veer, where I look to people pleasing, where I look to other things to find life. Thankfully, Jesus reaches down and pulls me out of the water. He's like, hey, eyes on me. That's why he died on the cross. He lived the perfect race on our behalf. That's why we can look to him. And some of you need to know, you can't endure without an example of endurance. And we don't just need a good example. You don't need your pastor to look up to. Those are good people to look up to. You don't just need to look up to me. That's, I might be a decent person to look up to. We have somebody that did it perfectly on our behalf. That's who we're meant to look to. So it may be good to look around at the people around you but also know there's somebody who did it on our behalf, who already ran the race perfectly. And Jesus's race is what gave us salvation. Because his eyes never came off the Father. Thank goodness he could do it perfectly. That's what gives us. That's grace. That's what allows us to run the race and look to him. So we could truly find life in right relationship with him. There's one other thing here. And honestly, I think this is really meaningful for us. This is a season where stress is high. Seeing is high. Like you guys are tired, a lot of you. A lot of you are distracted by all sorts of things. I'm really thankful you're here in spite of all that. But this says, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And here's the deal. Right now, it might not seem like it matters. You kind of get some attention, some short attention from having the craziest week and all this stuff going on. You can get that attention briefly. But we're meant to endure with joy. Because that's the way Jesus did it. He was our perfect example. And I think a lot of us just would rather bring some attention to ourselves instead of just being joyful about our circumstances. Everyone has tests. Everyone has a lot of life circumstances. And honestly, I don't want to downplay your trials and tribulations. I know there's, there's people in here who have family stuff going on. People are sick. I, I get it. I don't want to downplay that at all. I, I, I just want to encourage you. We have, we have an example that joyfully endured. 
And I'm saying you have to just be perfectly joyful, but I am saying I think we should ask ourselves the question, where is our joy? And it might not matter now when you're in class or when you're at vertical, but I promise when you leave here, everyone at work, wherever you go to work, is going to be going through a lot of the same things. And you're going to look like everyone else if all you want to do is bring attention Say, pity me, look at all this stuff I have going on. I worked from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Blah, 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 blah. Joyfully endure, just as he did on our behalf. So in summary, what's weighing me down? How am I running? Where am I looking to? And then I added one. Where is my joy? Because life is a race. And it's a long one. And honestly, I just want all of us to be and know that this is a race. And I want y'all to know to keep running. It's as simple as that. There's a little encouragement here. It's like, and all that's going on, keep running. It's worth it. He's worthy. We sing about it with our mouths. May our thoughts and our hearts believe it to be true. May we live it out. May we live in that way. It's a race. Keep running. I I want you to know I'm encouraged that by the way that a lot of you are running. But let's just do a little introspection tonight as we ask those questions. Let's take a little bit of a quiz and, and test ourselves. And then let's keep going. There's a hill to take. We get to keep running and we, we get to do it with amazing people, an amazing cloud of witnesses. And we get to look to Jesus. Historically, the person who changed the world. I have a friend who did this well in college and I'll close with this. This friend lived a tough life. He, his dad was never around. His mom was killed by a drunk driver when he was 11 He was raised by his grandparents and then he came to Baylor. While he was at Baylor, within an 18-month period, both of his grandparents died. He and I were in the same fraternity, so we were friends. And and this guy, everyone knew on campus. Everyone knew him. And it wasn't for any reason that you would want to be known. He had alopecia, didn't have a hair on his body. Stuck out like a sore thumb. Everyone kind of, you know, you'd see him running around the bear trail. He was a runner. You'd see him running and you couldn't miss him. In fact, he was blind in his left eye. He had this sleeping disorder. It was was hysterical. He's, He's the nicest guy, amazing guy. He had this sleeping disorder where he couldn't wake up. So his alarm clock literally was this bed that would shake him until he woke up. It was like kind of the alarm clock all of us need, right? And he had this alarm clock, so he'd be late to things, and people would always mess with him. And his roommate, was, he was always like, hey, can you wake me up when I'm supposed to wake up? Or can you make sure I'm awake when I'm, when I'm supposed to be awake? And so this dude, I mean, his body had complications. He had all this stuff, stuck out like a sore thumb, thumb all this stuff. It's the most joyful dude ever. Loved Jesus, was a runner, would run around campus. Again, you wouldn't miss him. And one time, he decided to run the bear And he only had one goal. Don't stop running. 
Don't stop running. That was his goal. So you'd see him prepare and all this different stuff. You you just almost would get excited for him. And everyone kind of knew he's going to run. Just don't stop. That was his goal. Race day comes. He starts running. About 100 yards before the finish line. He finished the race. Due to natural causes, my friend went home to be with Jesus. But his only goal was don't stop running. And he didn't. He faithfully crossed the most important finish line. And I guarantee you, guarantee he heard, well done, good and faithful servant. Come home. You've lived a tough life, but you have endured. You didn't care about the shame. You joyfully endured everything that was handed to you. The cards that none of us honestly would have wanted in life. He joyfully endured. He just didn't stop running. And so tonight, we need to ask ourselves the questions of this spiritual race that we have. But also, we need to be encouraged. Just keep running. One day at a time. Keep looking to him. Daily deny all the other things you can look to and run after him. I'm going to pray that this entire room would keep running. Bow your heads with me. Father, we pray. Help us to endure. Help us to endure. Lord, we know that there are weights and there are sins that are keeping us from running the way we were meant to run. And Lord, honestly, I think those weights could keep us from continuing to run. Like, I think that could cut our race off short, Lord. That could hurt our relationship with you. So we do rightfully, introspectively allow you to show us what needs to be thrown off. What do we need to get rid of? Lord, some of us, we can can pick up our pace. We are made to be pace setters for your kingdom. And we can pick up our pace and endure. How are we running? We're not. And so, Lord, we we pick up our pace. We run the, the race that you have called us to. But, Lord, most importantly, we look to you knowing that we have failed, we have fallen short, but we have you to look to. Your perfect life, your death, and your resurrection from the grave is what gives us hope. That is what we look to and run to. I pray that you would give us joy in these mundane weeks, this this week in the spring where tests are overflowing, where life seems unmanageable. Would we be filled with joy that people would look at us and they would think, what the heck is wrong with you? What do you know that I don't know? And we would tell them, "We, we have joy no matter what's going on, no matter what circumstances come. May we run with joy. Lord, help us to not stop running. By your grace, I pray boldly 
that this entire room would not stop running the race until we cross the finish line in your arms. Lord, help us. In your name we pray. Amen.